Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops, if we're stopping to get gas. You will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hello and welcome back to the Thistle Scottish Rugby Podcast emergency reaction to the Lions squad that has just been announced and do not adjust your headsets. The Lions squad includes eight, that is eight Scotland players will be touring to South Africa this summer. Alan, Matt and I are hiding away um, from our work for the next half an hour to give you a snap reaction to um, the announcement that has just happened Chris Harris, Stuart Hogg, Ali Price, Finn Russell, Duhan van der Merwe, Xander Fagerson, Rory Sutherland, and Hamish Watson all touring with the Lions this summer. Matt, you have had to go out for a walk to calm down from all of the excitement. Eight Scottish Lions, how are you feeling about that? Yeah, as the announcement was being read out, I was you know, celebrating at each name and then suddenly got to a situation where there were five by the time we got to just the forwards got through the backs i was thinking this is absolutely ridiculous i don't think anybody even the most one-eyed scottish fans would have predicted eight scots um but then you look at each of those selections and i think you know there's not too many that are marginal i think that uh in every single instance they're a deserved pick and i think should do pretty well on the Lions tour and, and kind of definitely merit their place there. Absolutely. And we'll come into the, their place in the wider makeup of the squad. But Alan, how are you? How did you react? Yeah, absolutely buzzing. I think, you know, I think we've talked about it even in sort of previous Lions tours that whilst obviously we've still been supportive of kind of the Lions, it's, 
you you just naturally just aren't engaged it as much as a concept if there's less Scotland players in it. And I think you know probably for the first time, you know, it, whilst we've been fully engaged with with the Lions, that we had kind of that big bulk of Scotland players. And I, you know, to be honest, before it, I said I thought we would get five, and then I said a range of between three and seven. So to be honest, eight is actually blowing away my my actual predictions. Yeah, and then for the first time in a number of tours, you know, the squad makeup is relatively balanced. I think it's eight Scots, eight from Ireland, 10 from Wales, and 11 from England. Maybe those two the other way um, around. Um, quickly, just before we get into um, breaking that down, um, this pod is always brought to you by the guys over at Rob Mack. Um, check them out if you're ever needing any sort of mortgage advice or anything along those lines, robmac.co.uk. Thanks very much for their support. We know they will be absolutely buzzing to have so many Scottish lines this summer um, as well. Um, should we start with the backs? Let's go in the order of how it was announced. Um, obviously, five Scots, Harris, Hogg, Price, Finn and Doohan within that. Um, I have to say, and we'll start here, I think I was most buzzed when I saw Ali Price's name um, read out. I mean, Alan, who is he sort of beaten off in that sort of scrum half, um, you know, position to get on the tour? Well, I think I think it's be sort of a common theme. Is it feels like there's probably three or four, maybe even five Scots that were potentially in sort of um, hit. Versus versus someone from the other home nations that sort of come through and got in that tour spot, and I think we don't know how influential obviously Townsend and Tandy were as part of those conversations. But you know, it feels like, and actually, there's a lot of names that were getting chucked in for that third scrum half spot because of just potentially no one outside of Murray and Gareth Davis had really sort of put their hand up consistently during during the Six Nations. But it, you know, it feels like Danny Kerr was one of the names that was thrown into the mix, probably with Thomas Williams and and someone like John Cooney. But I think when you look at how consistent Price has been for Scotland over the last two years and how he's managed to kind of elevate him, himself above sort of George Horn, both at Glasgow and Scotland. And I think ultimately outside of Scotland, I think a lot of people have focused on a couple of the mistakes that Price made both in that England game when they got charged down and that kick at the end of the Wales game. But I, I really do think objectively, when you look at his performance across the whole of the Six Nations, he he does deserve to be that third name on the team sheet. I mean, I know there is on this podcast, but it does feel that there is a bit of an inbuilt sort of negativity, particularly around that discussion of price, you know, focusing in on those negative points when actually, you know, broadly speaking in the Six Nations, he performed um, very well. Um, Another person who had an absolute barnstorming um, Six Nations and has won a huge number of followers, um, Chris Harris, named with quite a um, workmanlike set of centres, Matt. But you know, it, what do, what can we sort of read from that dis, that um, that decision to take that group of four? Yeah, it's interesting. I think when I heard Elliot Daly's name announced, I thought that that was probably Harris's chance gone because. If you look at some of the maybe nail on guys like Henshaw, Davies, um, uh, Jonathan Davies, I'm quite surprised hasn't gone. Uh, I thought that might have been Harris's last chance, but I think Harris is very much a, a Gatlin style player. Like his strengths are around probably his solidity, particularly in defence. And I think the way that he has performed for Scotland and for Gloucester as well, which might have come into it. I know Gloucester haven't been playing that, that well, but Harris has sort of been consistently uh, outstanding for them. 
um, that that combined with probably a bit of Townsend in Gatlin's ear um, was enough to take him. Yeah, as you say, those centres are, <clears throat> I think, work would like to put it politely. So I don't think there's going to be too much invention. And I wonder what someone like Finn Russell will come on to would think about having Bundy, Aki, or combinations of Bundy, Aki, Henshaw, or Chris Harris outside him. I suppose he's used to playing with Chris Harris, but it maybe doesn't, it maybe puts quite a lot of pressure on him to, to create stuff. I think, and we we're saying as well, so they've, they've clearly picked sort of Daly and Harris, it feels like, as the two outside centre options ahead of Slade, Ringrose, and Jonathan Davies. Which, again, to your point, feels like they've they've very much focused well, especially with Harris on on sort of defensive aspects against against South Africa. And yeah, Daly just I, I that's one that I didn't see coming because he's definitely not going to play fullback just because Hogg and Liam Williams cover that. So he's he's only going as a thirteen, and I don't think he's played international rugby at thirteen for two years. He can play on the wing though as well, but he's not. I, and I appreciate that he did play on the wing in the 2017 tour, but but again, when did he last play in the wing? Maybe like the 2017 Lions tour. I can't yeah. remember both for Saracens and England. I kind of feel though that not to talk too much about the English players, but I do feel as if wing to fullback isn't that difficult a transition. Um, and maybe he's going as like a third choice fullback as well, who just offers you a lot of versatility and that kicking option. No, that is that is fair. And um, but yeah, and then big Mick Doohan takes takes a spot <laughs> on the wing. Big Mick Doohan. Um, I got a text actually from from one of my mates at work saying, you know, what do you think of Doohan? And I was like, look, he's an absolute physical freak, but he's um, you know maybe he is, you know, is that all he offers? But you know, we saw in the Six Nations that he will get go forward and that ability to get over the gain line. You know, that may stand him in in good stead. Um, I initially thought Duhan wasn't going to make the, wasn't going to make the plane, but I wonder just how important someone like North getting injured is because, and you know, ultimately that in the rest of those kind of back three, there isn't someone that is that kind of big, strong runner mm. that can kind of burst the game line that can just pop off the shoulder of a 10 and kind of consistently, especially against kind of that tight defense that South Africa have still get you over the game line. Um. So yeah, but uh, I you know I generally think he's got a high chance of um of making the the starting starting fifteen or at least the at least the sort of wider twenty three. When you look at the kind of form that he had during the Six Nations, ultimately he was by far and away the most impactful back three player playing. Finn obviously selected alongside um I guess Owen Farrell's going as that sort of ten twelve hybrid that we would expect. Um, and Dan Bigger rounding out those three. Matt, do you think Finn's in the driving seat for the ten jersey? Possibly. I mean, obviously, he has a good good chance, and I could very much see Owen Farrell being pushed out to twelve um, in in the test spot. I, th- I think that to be fair to Dan Bigger, um, you know, from a point where he wasn't even really first choice for Warren Gatlin and, and Anscombe started nice. at ten for Wales, he's been playing really well recently. Um, and I think that he is one of those kind of leaders who is able to drag teams through difficult situations. Um, you know, he's a real competitor. So I kind of actually think that whilst Bigger doesn't have the game-breaking ability of Finn, 
having someone who's maybe a bit steadier and has more of a kicking game would suit that line style, particularly when you look at the centres that they've taken. So I think overall, actually, Bigger is probably in the driving seat at the moment. But, you know, with, with only um, him and, and Russell are taken as like the um, sole tens, like there's every chance that, that Russell can push for that test spot. Yeah, 100%. It's going to be really interesting to see how that battle evolves. And I guess it's going to come down to how Warren Gatlin sees this Lions team playing. Stuart Hogg, obviously the other um, the uh, the other Scott named in those backs. Probably the only absolute banker 100% that we knew was going to be there. Um, Alan, do you think there's been already some chatter that Hoggy could be, you know, part of that sort of leadership group because it's his third tour. Um, do you think he'll play a very significant role in the, in the summer? I mean, 100%. And I wouldn't be surprised if he, he ends up being midweek captain at certain points during the tour. And I think actually, as a lot of the kind of the debate has been kind of running around the, the lines, it feels like that back three, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised if Hogg, Liam Williams and, and Watson is kind of, at, at the moment, the kind of starting back three that, that Gatlin's looking at. And I, and I still do think that actually of all that squad, Hogg is probably the most penciled in to the starting 15. Just at that international level, he has just consistently proved himself to be kind of a world-class player. So it's, um, no, I think he 100% will and should be part of that kind of wider leadership team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, quickly, scooting over it, five, uh, five in the backs, three in the forwards. Xander Fagerson, um, I'm really excited to see him. Again, had that great Six Nations with the sort of the red card aberration against Wales. Obviously hasn't been held, held too much against him. I probably don't want to question you guys too much on props because as we know, it's not our, um, our strong suit. But... Um, Matt, have you got anything to say about Xander getting in amongst that sort of the, the wider prop selection? Yeah, w- once again, it's it, I, I wasn't sort of putting a lot of money on him going, but when you saw his name there, you thought, yeah, this I think he deserves it. I think his performances for, for Scotland in the last couple of years um, have really improved. And I think particularly against England and France in the last Six Nations, he was absolutely class. Um I think that he offers that kind of all-court game, like his his work around the park, his his work rate is incredible, and I think his his scrummaging is is good enough. Um, I, I wonder with with someone like Rory Sutherland whether because there are a lot of good loose heads, um, and and due to his injury problems, that they they're willing to take the risk on him and probably have a couple of guys in their back pocket that they would be happy to to call up. Um, but once again, he, he's a guy I could see doing really well when chucked into a line shirt, just sort of no-nonsense getting on with his job. So, yes, it's, it's really good to see them both included. I guess you know, before the announcement, we probably would have suggested that Xander would have kind of snuck in as that third, I'm going to go with, I can't remember what side it is, tight head prop. Um, yeah, tight head. But the fact that Sinclair hasn't been picked and you've got what I... What is Xander, um, Tag Furlong, and Mako? That feels like a big, a big omission. I don't know whether Carl Sinclair is injured, but I, I, I think I don't think there's a lot of people that would put a lot of money on Xander going ahead of Carl Sinclair. Yeah, Mako's other side in the scrum, but yeah, I agree. 
Oh, God's sake. <laughs> so on the, like, other side, I, on the other side of the scrum, Rory Sutherland, or is he on the same side of the scrum? No, Either Rory, way, Sutherland's num- Rory Sutherland's number one. So he's a Lucy. So he's he's a another, Lucy. another prop and another no-nonsense character. A very good Hoik representation. We while since there's been a couple of Hoik lads on, uh, on the Lions. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have, like, you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. (laughs) A lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash spoken today. Well, last year, well, four years ago with Hog, but yeah. Oh, sorry, but more than one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess what I was going for there. <laughs> um, and then obviously, the, the probably the most debated man in, um, in Lions Rugby over the last few weeks Hamish Watson has proved he is big enough to be selected in that um, tour party, but there's quite, some quite interesting makeup of that of that back row, isn't there, Matt? Yeah, I think so. Um, I think that maybe someone like Jack Conan has been a bit of a uh, had a bit of a late surge for selection, but I, I think yeah. he's he's quite an interesting pick. Uh, and then Courtney Laws, maybe some people will be a bit uh, miffed at his selection, but. The fact he covers five and six, and whenever he has played for England um, recently, he's he is a class player and he's got that Lions experience as well. So I'm not surprised to see him. Um, I think maybe the omission of Underhill was a bit surprising. Uh, it seemed as if a few people had him nailed on, but no, it's it's great to see Watson, and I think that that the fact that he, that Curry can play, I think you could happily put Curry at six as well, means that. It's maybe not a straight shootout for that seven test jersey of Watson versus Curry. I think you could accommodate them both. So yep. I think that Watson, now that he's on the on the plane, he's got every chance of making that test team, which you know, for, for a forward, a Scottish forward to be making a test team. I can't think the last time that happened. Richard Gray off the bench in 2013. Um, but going into a tour with someone like that, having a realistic shot is super exciting. I guess one of the ways I'd, I'd potentially sort of been trying to read the tea leaves of the selection was they they obviously had picked the three eights and Simmons, Conan and Falatau. And then I wondered whether they'd picked three sevens and Tipperick, Watson and Curry. And then clearly they kind of added that additional, um, that additional place so that they can put six second rows into the squad, but with three of them having the ability, so Itoji, Laws and Byrne, to play six if needed. And I just wondered whether that might be the route that they go down where it's kind of, you know, they, they will look to put either a Burn Laws or a Toji at six, both just kind of help out in the line but also just to kind of help in those kind of tighter areas on, on the pitch. 
Yeah, I mean, we're sitting here still reeling, I think, from getting eight Scots on the plane. It's probably worth mentioning a couple that were in the conversation but have missed out. Um, I think probably Johnny Gray being the um, the largest name that's been sort of mentioned in dispatches. Um, but Matt, do you think do you just put that down to just the sheer quality of the second row options across the the rest of the teams? Yeah, exactly. I, I was there's some sort of leaked team sheets um, coming out this morning did have him in there and there there are quite a few commentators sort of predicting his selection so I thought he might have snuck in but I think given we've we've got eight Scots um, and as you say like the strength and depth in that position and also the ability of Laws Itoje for instance to cover second row as well mm. uh, to cover sorry yeah yeah second row and, and back row yeah it, it just meant that he was always really going to be up against it but you know what like there's always so many injuries, like even beforehand and during the tour. So I, I wouldn't be surprised to see someone like Johnny Gray called up. And, um, you know, as I think we said it in our newsletter this week, like doing really well. I think he can fit in into a, into a Lions team really nicely, maybe the same way that he's sort of seamlessly made the transition to, to Exeter. I guess if you look at second row emissions, you know, even a year ago, it feels like the kind of consensus was that it was a Itoji, James Ryan Kind yeah. of boiler room partnership was was relatively nailed on, and the fact that you've kind of gone from that to James Ryan not even being in the squad is um is a pretty sort of drastic um turn of events. Mm-hmm. And and you know someone like Johnny Hill, who I don't imagine was really part of the conversation, sort of twelve eighteen months ago. Yeah, now, so that that's the only that's the only point around Johnny Gray that I would actually feel a bit myth. Like I I think we've talked about it before. Johnny Hill does seem to slightly outshine Gray in the extra jersey but I think that it's because they're almost quite different players like Gray's the real workhorse just gets on with the dirty work and I think that when when Hill's made that step up to England I think he's always looked pretty poor actually and maybe that's to do with how he's been used by Eddie Jones but that that is a selection I am pretty surprised by No I, I agreed I think I don't know whether He's allowed to do, he's given kind of freer reign with Exeter, but I think you're right in the sense that at an international level, Johnny Gray, especially in the Six Nations, outshone Johnny Hill. So I think, you know, probably has a, a, a fair kind of reason to be a bit myth, but I can, I also kind of get at the point that Johnny Hill, it might even be the biggest of all those second rows. Like he's an mm-hmm. absolute monster. Um, and some of his form for Exeter is, is genuinely pretty unbelievable. So. But no, it's. Um, I was going to say I was actually just reviewing my bets that I made pre. Uh, pre, <laughs> I, I, actually, I had actually forgotten. So Chris Harris at five to one was a good. That was a good little learner. How much did you put on that? I only put like a fiver, but still, oh, take uh, it. every every penny counts. And uh, especially because I've now, I must be the only person who's bet twice on Leinster to win matches and lost both times. <laughs> <laughs> I lost. The, I, had, I had money. I used all, all my winnings from the Masters to put it on Leinster to beat La Rochelle. And then the other time I had Leinster to beat uh, Saracens at the Champions Cup final like two or three years ago when they got uh, pumped. But uh, yeah, no, I had Chris Harris and I had Jack Newell at both, both at about f- f- five to one, which um, so good. Nice to see one of them come through. Yeah, absolutely. I suppose the, the one other name I was, again, which has been included in a lot of dispatches and it's possibly just, it came too early for him, but Jamie Ritchie, um, not included again was included an awful lot of pundit discussion but i think if you look across that back row and the and the makeup of that particularly with those 
sort of second row hybrids, it is just an extraordinarily um, competitive arena, isn't it, Matt? Yeah, exactly. And I, I think that maybe people were slightly clutching at straws with the argument that Richie could play second row because he has done it for Edinburgh in the past, but it's been in a makeshift capacity and he's yeah. never done it at international level. Whereas you know that Itoji and Laws have done it at that highest level. Um, so, yeah, I, I think, as you say, he's got plenty of time under his belt. And once again, like I'm, I'm, he might have got a letter or an email, whatever it was, saying that he was under consideration, um, mainly for that versatil- versatility and also how well he's been playing. Um, but I think yeah, there's, he had a there's phenomenal- plenty of time for him. He had a phenomenal game, and I think it's the recency bias that everybody um, has when they're talking about the mm. Lions. Is Jamie Ritchie was possibly better than Hamish Watson against France in that final game for Scotland. So a lot of people were maybe reconsidering him um, in that light. But he's a he's an extremely young lad. He's got one at least the next tour in him um, if he continues on his trajectory. So a lot of it's timing and momentum as well. I, yeah. I think if the if the tour had been picked in November it's arguably that Richie was ahead of Watson yeah. in the pecking order. And there was something about Watson obviously having that big game against um, England that sort of set that momentum of the kind of way. Clearly Watson had a very good six nations, but Richie did have a very quiet start and kind of peaked yeah. at the end. So just sort of kind of got lost a little bit in that conversation. But to your point, I always still throws me how young Jimmy Richie is seeing as kind of like how, how long he's been around for. So yeah, hundred percent. I mean, when you look at Wynne Jones, he's, Jamie Rich has potentially got three more lines chosen him. Yeah, <laughs> that is a very, very good point. So as a, as a final point, it's obviously we are an hour into knowing what the squad is, but we would be remiss to not start projecting that forward to the first test. Um, out of our eight Scottish Lions, how many do you think we can realistically say, you know, in, in contention for that first oh, test? Matt, do you want to have a go? First? Uh, yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I mean, obviously, Hogg's the obvious one, and and Watson, as we as we mentioned, I, I'm not sure about Ali Price. I think that his relative inexperience against the other two might count against him. Um, as I said, Finn Russell's got every chance of making it if he just, you know, has like two or three absolute blinder performances, and Gatland decides that the Lions need to do something a little bit different to beat. South Africa rather than sort of trying to match um, fire for fire. Um, and I, I really think that Duhan, like if he's given space, if he's used like he maybe was by Scotland as a sort of auxiliary back row forward, like I think he has a game, game uh, a style of play that no, no, no one else in that back line has. So if he puts his hand up with a couple of good performances, I think you could see him definitely pushing for that test wing spot. No, agreed. I think, you know, there's obviously the, the players that you sort of highlighted that are clearly kind of fighting for that starting 15. And then I think there is a couple of players that are going to be more in kind of a fight for getting on that bench. You know, people like Xander and, and potentially Sutherland and Price, who I think it seems unlikely that they'll break into the starting 15, especially for that first test, but have have a good chance of, especially with a couple of good performances, being on that bench and, you know, ultimately, you know, getting on the field. Yeah, and we were gonna, we will be with you every step of the way, uh, every twist and turn. There's an awful lot of rugby um, to go through, not least the 1872 Cup. Imagine all the Scotland lads are actually who have been selected. Are like, look, 
I'm not keen to play in that game, please. <laughs> Imagine getting injured for the Lions at like an empty Murrayfield. An empty Murrayfield. Oh, oh my God. That Ima- is too bleak. <laughs> Imagine not only, not that you got injured in the 1872 decider, but you got injured in the fourth match that wasn't even applicable <laughs> to the 1872 The cup. Rainbow Cup dead rubber that means absolutely nothing. <laughs> That would be too bleak. It's, I'm, I'm just scrolling through Twitter. It's, it's interesting to be in this position where you know we're delighted with the outcome of that squad announcement. Ireland international, former Ireland international, Luke Fitzgerald, Hill over Ryan, wake up from that dream. No Sexton is crazy. <laughs> so he's not, they're not happy. Joe Marler has tweeted, this has got the same feeling as the line of duty finale. So he's obviously not that, exci- <laughs> he's obviously not that, not that excited about it either. But you know, we get these these uh, few and far between eight Scottish lions. That is a uh, that's a lovely feeling. I'm very very excited about it. Um, well, that was just a quick emergency pod getting us um, uh, the snap reaction uh, to that lions announcement. We will of course be with you throughout uh, the remainder of the season and the lions tour this summer. Follow us on Twitter at Thistle Rugby Pod on Instagram Thistle underscore Rugby underscore Pod. Although actually I've logged myself out and I can't remember the password, but I'll find that at some stage. And make sure you subscribe to our newsletter going from strength to strength. Um, that's on Substack Thistle Rugby Podcast. Have a look and we will get that into your inbox every single week. Thanks again to the guys over at Rob Mack for all the support in the pod. Um, until then, um, we'll speak to you guys soon. Cheers. Roundabout Season 2, presented by Nissan, is live now, and we're back to share more stories from the road and the memories made along the way. We're talking rest stops. If we're stopping to get gas, you will be timed. Misguided plans. I grew up in the city, so I have like you know, a healthy fear of real extreme darkness. <laughs> a lot of laughs. Y'all weird, but you, yeah, you, you were different. And so much more. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Paige from Giggly Squad, and I want to talk to you about Splash Refresher and my water intake. Okay, so you guys obviously know that I'm a hydrated girly, but sometimes when you drink that much water it starts to just taste bland and you're just like, I need something to spice it up. That's why I love Splash Refresher. It has zero sugar, zero calories, and it's a splash of sweetness. And they come in five different flavors. They're so good. Wild berry, acai grape, pineapple mango, lemon, and mandarin orange. My favorite is the wild berry because I just, I just love a berry. So if you're like me and you're drinking water all day, then try Splash Refresher. It's going to absolutely change your water game, and it's good for you. ACAST powers the world's best podcasts. Here's a show that we recommend. The Real Housewives is a guilty pleasure for most. But if you're looking to not feel guilty about that pleasure, tune in to Everything Iconic with me, Danny Pellegrino, where I break down all the messy moments and behind-the-scenes antics of Bravo's popular franchise. And on Everything Iconic, I also interview celebrity guests like Kelly Ripa, Kiki Palmer, Drew Barrymore, Cameron Diaz, and more about their guilty pleasures, their past work, and so much more. So if you're pop culture obsessed and find yourself watching way too much reality TV like me, tune in to Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, wherever you listen to podcasts. ACAST helps creators launch, grow, and monetize their podcasts everywhere. 
ACAST.com. <laughs>